Welcome to The Open Word, the online teaching ministry of Pastor David Landry on today's episode. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. you if if someone came up to you and said tell me about your christian experience tell me tell me about your life since you've come to know jesus how many of you would be really upfront about all your failures how many of you would really be upfront about the times that you let the lord down every one of us have those stories every one of us have those realities in our lives but aren't you glad that we serve a merciful god who, again, in the midst of our failures, in the midst of our weaknesses, continues to love us, continues to call us, and yes, continues to use us. Don't be fooled into thinking that to become a Christian means that you'll become perfect. As a Christian, you'll still make mistakes and fall into sin. The difference is that as a Christian, you'll be willing to recognize those sins, take them to the Lord, and try to do better next time. Today, Pastor David reminds you that you'll always be a sinner. On your journey as a Christian, you'll make mistakes. Don't hide those mistakes from others, but instead be honest about them and allow them to become learning opportunities. And here's Pastor David in the book of Acts chapter 9 as he begins his message, Saul's Early Ministry. in the book of Acts. We've been going through the book of Acts for a while now. We're in chapter 9. We've actually been in chapter 9 for a while. And we're not going to finish chapter 9 today. So again, uh, we are there in chapter 9. And as we've gone through this portion of the book of Acts, and as we got into 9, and particularly the passage we're going to be looking at this morning, here we're going to find that Luke kind of finishes up his introduction of Saul of Tarsus, who later becomes Paul the Apostle. Uh, We finish up the introduction to the beginning of his ministries here this morning as we look at these passages. Look with me, if you would, in Acts chapter 9. We'll begin with uh, the first couple of verses, uh, beginning in verse 23. This is actually uh, where we left off last time, a couple of weeks ago. Um, Paul, or actually Saul at this point, uh, he had been in Damascus, his life had been threatened, so he slips out of Damascus in pretty much the same way that a a common criminal would uh, sneak out of a country when the authorities are after him. Bear that in mind as we look at these passages this morning. Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 23. Now after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him kill Saul. But their plot became known to Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. And then the disciples took him by night and led him down through the wall in a large basket. 
They wanted to kill him. He had made them upset, so upset. They weren't going to be satisfied with just beating him. They were going to be satisfied with just putting him in jail. No, their, their heart, their intent, their direction was to kill Saul of Tarsus. Now, a couple of weeks ago, again, we touched on the fact that uh, later on in his ministry, uh, when he's writing to the church in Corinth, he gives just a little bit more detail about what is going on right here in verse 23 through uh, 25 here in Acts. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul wrote that in Damascus, the governor under Aratus the king was guarding the city of Damascus with a garrison desiring to arrest me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and I escaped from his hands. So in the, right in the beginning portion of his ministry, Paul manages to really tick people off, you know? Uh, and, and he does that not by soft-shoeing the gospel, not by making the gospel palatable, but by speaking the truth of God's word. And in speaking the truth of God's word, speaking the truth of the gospel, people, many people, will reject it. So Saul, with the help of some unknown brothers and and possibly even sisters in the Lord, he was placed in this large basket and he was let out through a window that was on the outside wall of the city of Damascus. And so he escaped from Damascus. So it's at this point, when we go back and look at, at Luke's record, that we find that Saul is now headed up to Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem was the place where all of this began anyway. And when you think back on on all that had taken place, not only in the earlier passages of the book of Acts, but also the last passages of the gospel record, you realize that it was there in Jerusalem where the, the, the crucifixion, the burial, and even the resurrection of Jesus took place. It was there in Jerusalem, the the upper room experience of the beginning chapters of the book of Acts, the coming and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We see literally the birth of the church taking place in Jerusalem. We see after that coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, Peter's powerful message to the thousands that were there in Jerusalem during the Feast of Pentecost. And again, thousands coming to faith in Christ at that point in time. We also read of the the growth of the church, and with the growth of the church comes these subsequent problems, the, the taking care of the needs of the body of Christ in the midst of whatever persecution or trials that they were going through in those earliest stages. We read about, again, the church, the leaders of the church, the apostles, setting up those with Within the church to serve as, again, overseers or, or servants of the church. Remember the seven that we've been speaking about as we've gone through the book of Acts. And then one of those sevens, it's there in Jerusalem that Stephen, again, gets into a dispute with a group of Hellenistic Jews. And because, again, he declared to them the truth of the gospel, didn't try to soft sell it, didn't try to backpedal on anything, but continued to speak forth the truth, he was stoned there in Jerusalem also. And then you see this growing intensity of persecution that takes place right after Stephen was again murdered or stoned and the disbursement of the disciples through other areas, many of them leaving Jerusalem, the apostles still staying in Jerusalem. And then we see the influence, the impact, this this driving force of a a young Pharisee by the name of Saul of Tarsus. And he, he was moved to literally go through and destroy 
Christianity and to destroy all of those that would follow after the teachings of Jesus. All of this going on in Jerusalem. When Saul first left Jerusalem, uh, and this was a little over three years from the passage that we're reading this morning, a little over three years prior to that when he first left Jerusalem, he was a man with great power. Uh, He had power that was given to him uh, from the Jewish leadership, and he was a great threat to all of the Christians, any ones that he would come upon. But now, three years later or so, he's coming back to Jerusalem, but he's coming back now instead of a persecutor of the Christians, he's coming back and he's saying, I'm one of you. I, I, I am a Christian right now. I am part of the body of Christ. That's what, again, he comes into Jerusalem with that declaration. And if you think that waiting for him there in Jerusalem was a crowd of people to wrap him up in their arms and to applaud and to celebrate his conversion, you have absolutely no idea about the fear that the Christians in Jerusalem had for men such as Saul of Tarsus. Again, Saul came to Jerusalem, verse 26 tells us. When Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, and they did not believe that he was a disciple. Some think that even after three years of his conversion, that the word of his conversion just probably never came down to Jerusalem. They didn't know that he was converted. They would be ignorant of that. Uh, but for three years, while remember we, we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, he was in Damascus, he left Damascus for about three years, then he came back, then again, that's when they tried to kill him, that's when he left. Well, I do believe that the word of the conversion of Saul of Tarsus made its way down to Jerusalem. I don't think you could have kept that news from Jerusalem. I think, again, the, the interaction of merchants, uh, Christians that were coming back and forth Again, letting them know that Saul of Tarsus, that one who was the persecutor of the Jews, is now a believer. I believe that that message had made its way down to Jerusalem. But I believe also that the concern that they had is, is his conversion really true? After all, he disappeared for three years. What was he doing in those three years? We heard no word from him. Maybe he got unconverted. Maybe his, maybe his decision to, to, to give his life to Christ was a scam of some sorts, and now he's coming back again to deceive us and to trick us. They were all afraid of him, and they did not believe that he was a disciple. Luke makes it very clear for us. Then he goes on, look at verse 27, but help comes by way of a man named Barnabas. Verse 27, But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. And he declared to them how he had seen, and Saul declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that the Lord had spoken to him and how he, Saul, had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Barnabas, this man Barnabas, we met him first back in Acts chapter four. Remember, he was part of the, fellowship of the disciples during that time. And when the church was having problems, Barnabas was the guy that uh, gave of his own. He sold some property that he had and, and put it into the common fund in order that the church could help those that were, that were, again, struggling financially during that time. But one of the things that we read about Barnabas there in chapter four is that actually his name was Joseph, or J-O-S-E-S, Joseph. But 
it's the apostles that gave him the name Barnabas, which means son of encouragement or the encouraging one. And that's what we find out is the gift that Barnabas has. He has the gift of encouragement. And I believe that whenever he saw that need, Barnabas was quick to move in that gift. He was the kind of guy who was willing to step out in faith and and give of himself, just as we saw back in Acts chapter 4, the selling of property and lands to be able to assist and help others. He was one who was willing to go outside of his comfort zone to assist someone who's being shunned by others, just as we see here with Saul of Tarsus. The rest of the church didn't want to have anything to do with him, and yet he was the one that went to Saul And that connection and how that was made, we don't know. We know that for Ananias, again, the Lord spoke directly to Ananias to go and lay hands on Saul when he was blind for those three days up in Damascus. But here we just see Barnabas moving and again, bringing Saul into the group. He's the kind of guy who's willing to put his own well-being, even his life on the line, to bring someone together with the household of faith. When Barnabas reached out to Saul, He had to do that in the faith that what he had heard about Saul was true, that Saul was converted. He had to be one to, again, take that chance to go and encourage a brother that everybody else was staying away from because of fear. He was gifted by the Holy Spirit, and because of his trust in the hand of God in all of his life, he wasn't afraid to step out in his gift. So Barnabas brings Saul of Tarsus, the former persecutor of the Christians, he brings him to the apostle Peter and then introduces him not only as a fellow believer, but also he is now an evangelist. He's now actually an apologist for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, for those of you who may not be aware, an apologist for the gospel isn't somebody that apologizes about the gospel. No, they, they, they debate, they, they speak positively for, they argue the fact that the gospel is true. And that's exactly what we see Saul of Tarsus doing, disputing with these Jews about the reality of who Jesus is. Uh, And it's actually in the writings of Saul, who later becomes Paul, Paul the Apostle, that we actually come to know a little bit more about this meeting that he has when he first comes to Jerusalem. Paul writes to the church in Galatians chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. He says, and then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter, and I remained with him for 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James the Lord's brother. So at the beginning, there's still no great outpouring of love, again, for this new convert. Uh, He he tells us that all he did, he went and saw Peter, and he was with Peter for 15 days, and I also saw James, the half-brother of Jesus. Well, what about the rest of them? What about the rest of the church there at Jerusalem? Well, I believe that they were guarding themselves until he could be proved out, until he was tested. Peter, you go visit with him, Peter, uh, and we'll stay back here. When you say it's okay, uh, then we'll reach out for him. Uh, Again, the word tells us, Luke tells us there in verse 28, that even during that time, whether it be right after the 15 days with Peter, or perhaps even during that time, verse 28 here in Acts says that Saul was then with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out. I don't know for certain how long he was in Jerusalem during this trip. We know he was with Peter for 15 days. 
but he doesn't tell us how much longer he was there. Those had to be some mighty powerful days, though. Visiting with Peter, hearing from Peter firsthand experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. Three and a half years, Peter had walked with the Lord himself. Right after the the, the crucifixion, the the death, his, his burial, Peter was again present at the resurrection or shortly after the resurrection as Jesus showed himself to the disciples. What a powerful time that had to be. And I believe that possibly even during that time, 15 days, they're sitting there sharing back and forth about things about the Lord. I would kind of guess that Peter probably shared, oh, listen, Saul, let me tell you, man, we were with Jesus and some awesome things. We saw Jesus do some miraculous things. There was one time we were out on the boat and the ocean was like crazy and we saw somebody walking on the water. We thought it was a ghost and we were scared to death and the Lord said, no, it's me. And, and Saul, it was, it, it was me, Peter. I, I was the one that said, Lord, if it's you, uh, bid me to come to you. And, and I got out of the boat and I was walking on water. You, I can't, oh man, it was so cool, Saul probably didn't tell him he took his eyes off the Lord and he began to sink, but that's a whole nother story. I wonder if he, he shared with him again uh, how one time that he tried to tell the Lord what to do and what not to do. And this was just shortly, but the story that he probably did tell him, oh, the, there was a time when Jesus asked us, well, who do you say that I am? Oh, oh you know, among the disciples. It was, it was me. I, you know, I, I stood up and said, thou art the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus said, oh, well done, Peter. You did a good job there. I know it wasn't you alone. It was the father that spoke through you. Good job there. But Peter probably didn't tell him that a little bit later when he told him, Jesus, you don't need to be crucified. Jesus, you don't need to go to the cross. That Jesus yeah, turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. For you're not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. Peter probably wouldn't have told him that, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, probably if he had a mindset like mine, he probably wouldn't have. You, only, you, know, you, you accent the positive things, right? Peter would have shared about his death. Peter would have shared about the burial, the heartbreak of all that. He would have shared about the excitement of the resurrection of the Lord. But I wonder how much he would have shared with him about the, the brashness that, that Peter had earlier on in the upper room when he said, even if everyone else deny you, I'll be the one to stand there. Probably didn't share that too much. Probably didn't share the fact that there in the courtyard during the trials of Jesus that when a little young maid, aren't, aren't you one of his followers? And Peter said, no, not me. No, not, no, it's not me. And began to swear and curse as he left, declaring he's not one of his followers. That's, that's nothing you want to be proud of. That's nothing you want to actually declare. As a matter of fact, let me ask you this morning, if, if someone came up to you and said, tell me about your Christian experience. Tell me, tell me about your life since you've come to know Jesus. How many of you would be really upfront about all your failures? How many of you would really be upfront about the times that you let the Lord down? Every one of us have those stories. Every one of us have those realities in our lives. But aren't you glad that we serve a merciful God who, again, in the midst of our failures, in the midst of our weaknesses, continues to love us, continues to call us, and yes, continues to use us. So again, we don't know how long Saul was in Jerusalem overall. We do know that while he was at Jerusalem, he was coming in and going out. We do know that Saul didn't spend 
all of his time simply with the brothers in Christ. Because Luke tells us he was also busy while he was in Jerusalem sharing the gospel and debating, uh, disputing uh, that, that apologist uh, situation with the enemies of the gospel. Look down in verse 29. And he, Saul, spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Hellenists, but they attempted to kill him. Here they are, they're getting ready to kill him again. Then the brethren found out and and they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. Did you catch which group that he's arguing, he's disputing with? It's the Hellenist Jews. Now, take the Wayback Machine a little bit. Remember what was going on in the church in the early days. It was the Hellenist widows, undoubtedly converts to Christianity, but they had been Hellenist Jews that were not being balanced right in the service and the ministry of the Lord. Stephen then was part of those seven that went and helped get things balanced and arranged. And somehow, someway, in the midst of that, a group of Hellenist Jews came and began disputing with Stephen, someone who was simply ministering to the needs of these widows. And in the midst of that dispute, Stephen, filled with the Holy Spirit, began to proclaim the reality and the truth of not only the history of Israel to these Hellenist Jews, but also the reality of Jesus as the Messiah of Israel. And remember, they stoned him. It was the Hellenist Jews that stoned him. And do you remember when we looked at that in the book of Acts, who it was that was standing and watching over the cloaks or the clothes of these men as they stoned Stephen? It was a young Pharisee by the name of Saul of Tarsus. He was one of them at one point in time in his life. And now he's back in Jerusalem after his conversion. And now he's disputing with these guys who used to be his peers, who used to be his friends, his co-laborers together in the law of Israel. Again, now he's disputing with them, these Hellenist Jews. As a matter of fact, Luke tells us very clearly, verse 58, he speaks about these Hellenist Jews that cast Stephen, these very same ones, that the witness, uh, I'm sorry, this is uh, in Acts 7, I'm backing up on what we just said, that it was the witness of Saul there with these Hellenist Jews. He'd been part of that group. Probably now as he's disputing with his Jews, maybe he's even saying the very same things that Stephen had shared with them a number of years ago as Stephen disputed with this same group of men. And again, they attempted to kill him. So Saul is finding out pretty early on in the ministry that everywhere he goes as he shares the gospel message, that eternal life and that forgiveness of sin is only found through Jesus Christ, that number one, there's going to be those that yes, they will receive the message and they will come to a saving faith, a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. He finds that out early on in ministry, converts already. Secondly, He also finds out that there are going to be those that are simply going to ignore the message. Well, that's fine for you, but I don't want any of that. And they walk away. But thirdly, he finds out very early on in the ministry that there are those who are antagonistic and hateful and despising of the gospel. In fact, their hatred of the gospel is so great that they choose and they desire to destroy both the message and the messenger. This comes to Paul very early on in the ministry. 
Thank you for joining us today on The Open Word. Acts is such an interesting book about the early church and how people engaged with their newfound faith and then spread that good news to their region and the entire world. If you're new to the Bible and are unsure what this newfound faith is, you can learn more about a man named Jesus who came to save you. He came as the Son of God to save you from your sins. These early disciples in the book of Acts were elated to share with everyone what Jesus had done for each of them. They wanted others to know that kind of love too. If you want to understand this more fully, we'd like you to know that here at The Open Word, we're here for you and we're praying for you. If you have some questions, please give us a call at 520-836-9676. We'd also like to encourage you to find a church and begin attending regularly. If you live in Casa Grande, we'd love for you to come visit us. The Open Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande, and we meet every Saturday at 6.30 p.m. and Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. You're welcome to join us for a time of worship and Bible study and a time to get to know other believers and find support. Find out more when you call us. Again, that number is 520-836-9676. You can also find out more about The Open Word and listen to additional messages by visiting theopenword.com. That's all for today. Thanks for tuning in to The Open Word.